Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's Haunted Playground right here on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. You can find us at LiveParanormal.com, iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podomatic, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, and the list goes on and on. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 28-year talk radio host here in Los Angeles, and I come to you live from my home in Southern California every week. Um, This show is about all things that live beyond the three dimensions. So whether you want to talk about life after death, or is there a presence of a higher power, or you think you have a Loch Ness Monster in your above-ground swimming pool, it all belongs here on Haunted Playground. You can find me at chinametalspiritual.com, and you can find the show at hauntedplayground.com. And every week, uh, I find folks that I think are the brightest and loveliest and most beautiful minds and hearts and souls in the paranormal community, and we talk about everything you can imagine. Uh, My guests today are actually making their debut on any of my shows, which I think is fantastic. They are also psychic mediums. They are also twin flames and masters of the metaphysical. Uh, please welcome to the show. M and Liv are here. They are the metapsychics. It's so wonderful to have you here, um, metapsychics, and I've been looking forward to this. Welcome to the show, and it's great to hear your voices. Hi, Sheena. How are you? I'm good. Quick disclaimer, I was out on the water and I developed a little cold, so I don't normally sound this stuffed up, but uh, it's winter and what was I thinking? Oh, that's okay. Thank you so much for having Em and I on your show. Oh my God, I'm totally excited to have you on my show. We were both guests on our mutual friends Mackie and Amanda's Halloween special, but you guys were first and I was last and a lovely lady did tarot in between, and so I missed actually getting to see you. And then um, one of my viewers who watches my psychic broadcast said, oh, my God, have you had them on? And I said, I would love to, but I don't know how to get a hold of them. And he literally found your information and gave it to me. So it's kind of nice, right, because I think good people know good people. So when someone brings you together with somebody, I, I think it's almost sort of meant to be. Yes, we don't disagree at all. And not only am I also a psychic medium, but but I'm also in my twin flame relationship. So um, we could talk about that too if you want. That's a that's a thing, right? It's a <laughs> it's an adventure. It is something for sure. Spoken <laughs> <laughs> only as twin flames. No. Uh, so tell me a little bit about both of you. Um, you know, when did the paranormal and the spiritual? really get on your radar, and, and how did uh, Metapsychics get formed? So we started Metapsychics about two-ish years ago, and um, we basically started it in a car ride to go get one of my chinchillas. <laughs> oh. But Liv, okay. Liv has, sorry, Liv has known she was a psychic medium since she was, like, very young, but 
during our journey with metapsychics is when I realized that I was also a psychic medium. Yeah. It's interesting somehow how, how you think you're not. I didn't for years thought I was because my mother was such an amazing psychic medium, and I thought, oh, my God, I, I couldn't possibly have gifts because look at mom's gifts. The truth is I had gifts all along, and then especially after a near-death experience, but I think I always sort of lived in the shadow of her gifts. So sometimes we think we don't have them, and then just we start to use them, and then we realize more and more the more we use them that we have them too, right? Was that sort of how it was for you, Em? Well, for Liv, she's very, like, clairvoyant. So she, when she was younger, used to see people without faces. But for me, I'm more clairaudient because, like, twin flame situation. So I would hear things more. So when I was young, I would hear things, but it wasn't, like, abnormal because no one else was talking about not hearing them. And people don't usually talk about hearing things. Like, I wasn't hearing voices necessarily. It's just hearing things. And I thought everyone else was hearing them. Right, right. That's another thing, right? Sometimes you just think everybody has the gifts that you have. Um, Liv, was it scary to see people with no faces when you were little? That's kind of a lot. Yes. When I was about eight is when I used to see spirits manifest in front of me, very similar to how the movies make it seem. And every detail of them was visible except their face. Their face looked like a newspaper letter that had been smudged. So you know it's an A, but you're like, that's a little weird. It got wet. Um, And there was always the clairsentient feelings of the person in front of me as well. So as a child, that was quite scary. But since then, my gifts have changed uh, a lot, actually. So my clairvoyance recently now is starting to move into claircognizance a lot. And it's been really cool just to see M as my twin flame experiencing mediumship in a complementary way to my own. That's awesome. Now, do you have any idea now that you're – sort of a seasoned metaphysician and you've been using your gifts for a long time, do you have a theory for why you saw people with the smudged faces? That's not an uncommon thing, right? I mean, we hear that sometimes, but do you have any idea why that was how spirit chose to show you people who had passed? I think just as an eight-year-old, since our spiritual gifts are linked to the way in which we think and perceive the world on a non-metaphysical level, as an eight-year-old, that was the way that my brain worked. I was very visual. And for me, as a small child, you don't really look at people's faces, especially if you're shy. You look at other features about them, such as the clothes they're wearing, the voice that they have, the feeling of who they are clairsentiently, like um, kind of their character, I would say. So for me, I think that just was lost my head and how I interpreted or received that spiritual information. Yeah, that's interesting, right? How we all um, we all receive it in a different way. I, I as a child, saw um, they just looked like people, but I thought they were living people. I didn't know that they were not alive. Um, so mm-hmm. it, for a long time, even in my adulthood, I was like, wait a minute, that wasn't a living person, was it? As, even as a child, my memory was that I was just speaking to a living person. Um, it's interesting somehow how, you know, the, they say the Christians say God doesn't give you more than you can handle, right? It's interesting how when our gifts are developing and we're young, we're sort of shown what we can handle, right? And I think it's the way that, that um, higher power gets us used to our gifts without traumatizing us to the point that we shut off and reject our gifts. Does that make sense? Yes. 
So tell me about, you said something about um, uh, M's Claire audience and that it had to do with the twin flame situation. So sort of explain that for my listeners so they know what, you're ta- what you mean. So Liv is very good at seeing and feeling things, but there are the, like, six clairs, the six psychic clairs, which are basically your five physical senses, and then the sixth sense, which is knowing things, which is claircognizance. Liv is very good at seeing and feeling things, and I'm very good at hearing and knowing things. So it's complementary because they're, like, it's the exact opposite but complementary things within psychic abilities. And there's just so many things like that because we're twin flames that go into it. Right. Yeah, isn't that interesting how um, twin flames, um, uh, it's like you complete a whole pie, right? And you, one of you tends to have something the other one doesn't have. Also, another fascinating thing I think about twin flames is that in some, in some areas, you're so much alike, right, and have similar experience but in other areas, almost 180 degrees different. And it's really sort of so that twin flames can come to Earth sort of with the whole package, right, and be able to do the kind of healing they're here to do. Um, And you need to have everything, and no one has everything, so you have some things and your twin has the others, right? Yes. So, like, for example, when we say that we complement each other, people on our YouTube channel, our sidekicks, love to say that, M is the black cat and I'm the golden retriever or the flower child. <laughs> and I've learned so I've learned so much from M in the two years that Metapsychics has been around that her ability to explain the way she perceives the metaphysical in relation to mine has helped me understand ways that I can strengthen and grow my abilities in areas and aspects that I never thought imaginable before. So for example, well, for whatever reason, we will be doing a tarot versus psychic medium reading. So that's a reading where both of us are present with our client. And we'll be picking up and perceiving the same information, but the way in which we receive that information is different. Say, for example, M is much better or well-versed or comfortable with speaking to female souls. And for whatever reason, I'm much more comfortable speaking with male souls. So she may receive information from the female spirit that's around our client, while I'll receive the same information, but in a different way, from the male client. So much so that I've been trying to figure out how to better explain my clairsentient understanding of, we were having a conversation, for example, the other day about how we experience mediumship. And when souls come in and ask me, she said, well, how do you know how they're related to the client. And I said, well, they'll usually give me a feeling of whether they're from the paternal or the maternal side. She goes, oh, well, they tell me through clairaudience. And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 wait, what? She goes, yeah, emotions are hard for me. So they tell me clairaudiently who and how they're related to the person we're talking to. So the other day I was having a reading with a client, and it was a little hard for me because spirits now have been telling me For example, if it's like a grandmother that's coming in and they're related to my client on the maternal side, they'll say that they really like my client's father so much so that for me, clairsentiently, it almost confuses me to think that they're related to the father, but actually they're related to the mother. They just had a very strong relationship or bond with their child's spouse. So because I was getting that sort of confusion but with the clairsentience of feeling how they were related to my client, I was like, I'm going to listen to what M said and see if I can figure out clairaudiently how they're related to the client. And the way she does this is hearing sounds are frequencies, right? 
So frequencies are also wavelengths of light. So if something sounds a certain way, it is therefore related to a frequency, and frequencies can be related to light. Light is related to colors. So this soul gave me the clairaudient interpretation of a frequency that was related to red. And for me, red meant that she was related to the maternal side. And that's how I was able to figure out and unjumble the clairsentient information I was receiving to get an accurate understanding of how she was related to my client. And it was so cool because I'd never done that before. That is so awesome. Well, and that's the interesting thing about um, about the way spirituality works from a metaphysical perspective, right, is that you can, you can figure there's a – the whole package becomes delivered to you in the way that it does. You get what you need to get, and you use your specific skill set to get it the way that you need to get it. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, I think if everybody thought about life like that, not only in their spiritual selves, but also in their earthbound selves would be a lot less complicated for people that you, you have what you need to get the answers that you need. It's just that spirit delivers messages in a different way. However, you, you happen to work as an individual is, is how the messages come to you. I think a lot of times people are frustrated in life because they're expecting something to come in a certain way, be a certain way, look a certain way, and the thing they're asking for is right in front of them. It just doesn't appear the way they've decided it's supposed to, so they're rejecting it in a way. And I think as, as, as psychic mediums and as uh, spiritual practitioners, as light workers. That's part of our job, right, is to help them see that the thing they want is right there. It's just that spirit delivers things the way spirit wants to and not necessarily the way you think you should have it, right? We always like to say that when we give readings, our job as mediums is not to necessarily provide information that you want, but it's information that you need, whether you think you need it or not. So to bring peace and clarity. So sometimes there's a frustration of information that we can't bring because spirit dictates that it's not necessarily something that our client needs or wants, but it's something that they need instead. So, Right. Like the Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want, but you almost always get what you need. And I probably say that to my clients at least one a day. I say that to a client. Um, That and also the message spirit delivers a lot to me for clients is, that you have to stop thinking of yourself as someone things happen to and start thinking of yourself as someone things happen for. Um, Because I think a lot of times clients sort of feel like, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why me? When the truth is, it's a lot of times it's the same thing we just talked about. The message is right in front of them and it's really what they want. It just doesn't look the way they think it's supposed to. So they're convincing themselves it's not happening. And I think, um, I don't know about the two of you, but learning that about clients has helped me also because I believe when you give healings, you get healings. It's helped me in my earthbound life to let a lot of things go and a lot of um, preconceived notions of how things in my life should look. I mean, even in my twin flame relationship, right? I mean, sometimes we have an idea of what we think that relationship is supposed to be, going to be is what it is, and <laughs> not what we think it's supposed to be. And that's part of our learning here on the earth, right? Yeah. So would you like to share more about your twin flame? Um, Well, it's interesting what you just said about 
how the two of you complement each other by getting messages in different ways. So I'm obviously a spiritual practitioner. I kind of live in the super woo-woo, but my mom was uh, a psychic medium, but she was also a child counselor. And my grandmother was a child psychologist. So I always like to say I ran away from the family business that was psychology and, you know, was an artist and an actor and then, you know, started coming out with my gifts and working with my gifts. So I sort of became the anti-therapist. Well, my partner is a therapist. She's an MST. So I was just thinking when you said that about how sometimes we are saying the same thing, but we approach things from a very different perspective because although she's very spiritual and she's very psychically gifted, she sort of always reverts to the psychological. I kind of always revert to the spiritual. And in the long run, it's helping people in just two very different ways, right? Yes, I think that's very funny because I like to talk about astrology with my husband, and he always gets upset when I talk about astrology. And finally one day he said, well, if I'm an asparagus, and I said, no, 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 not an asparagus, an Aquarius. He goes, whatever. He goes, it just sounds like a whole bunch of spiritual psychology to me. And I said, exactly. That's what it is. Before the psychologists had all of their psychologists, we had astrology. You like one, I like the other. Let's make an asparagus. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about your journey as Twin Flames. Um, so for a while, we didn't think that we were Twin Flames. I feel like we figured it out after metapsychics happened. And I was crushed the entire time before we figured it out. I was like, I want to be M's Twin Flame. This isn't fair. Yeah, because I thought this other girl was my twin flame because she's exactly like me. It's like we're living in a parallel universe on the same plane of existence. But what we learned, what a, what a twin flame is, is it's not one soul that is split in two that comes here. It is the exact balance of your soul coming in. So that's why we keep saying it's, the opposite but complementary aspect of your soul, it's the thing that balances you. So there's only one that yep. can do that. It's the only one that is the exact balance. Yes, yes. And sometimes it's difficult. I don't know if it's been for the two of you, but um, I think our experience was that it was sort of amazing in the beginning, um, as I think it always is, because you've sort of found this soul that you've been wandering the earth looking for. But then – you know, when you meet your twin flame, that rapid healing starts. And we met right as COVID was starting. So to sort of be in COVID and quarantine and um, and in the middle of suddenly both this rapid healing of all of our past traumas and some past life traumas, it, it's a lot more than you expect. I mean, I think people walk around all the time saying, I just want my twin flame. And it's it's magic, but it's it's also work, right? Because healing is work in some ways. Right. We uh we actually were on a horseback riding team, and that's how we met. Um, we were both like very young, and the way in which we figured out that we were twin flames is interesting because we like started seeing past lives, and we're like, why are we always in a past life together? <laughs> why are we just always together so that's when we started asking questions of maybe we're twin flames maybe this is why we're so similar to each other but in the 
complementary opposing way. Because I would say right. a twin flame relationship is not easy. <laughs> you think it is, but no. there's days where M pushes me. Well, they're every day M pushes me to try and be the absolute best that I could be. But, you know, when someone's trying to push you to be the person that they know you can be, that's hard. I would say a twin flame relationship is 99% like hot gas, 1% laughter. It's hard. I mean, they really are the opposite to you. So there's some days where I'm like, I can't deal with M. This is too much for me. And then other days I'm like, I need M. I don't know who else to talk to because she knows exactly what to say, the things that I don't necessarily want to hear. And it was a lot for us to learn too because when we first looked up the idea of Twin Flames, a lot of people seem to romanticize it as a romantic relationship. However, M and I aren't in a romantic relationship, but we are Twin Flames. So I think if we would have shortened our perspective to only seeing that, way that it was presented to us, then we wouldn't have realized that we were twin flames. But I think that's a big question that a lot of our viewers will ask us, like, oh, how can I find my twin flame? Is it a romantic relationship? But we found out that it isn't. And that I think has really helped us as well in just the grand scheme of our spiritual journey. Right, right. And it's different for everybody, right? I mean, for us, it is. But that even makes it more difficult, I think. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That has a whole other yeah. element of difficulty. So sometimes I think it's, it's you know, it's less difficult. I mean, I think, and we've even uh, said to ourselves sometimes, would it be just easier if we weren't? But it just doesn't seem to work out that way because we just seem kind of, we, you know, can't really seem to live without each other. So um, in that respect. Um, but it's it's probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And, and I thought going into it, it was going to be the easiest thing that I had ever done. Um, again, inspiring rapid healing in yourself and in someone else is, it's uh, its difficult. I mean, human beings are very resistant to change, right? And one of the biggest changes that we're resistant to is healing. I don't know what we're so scared about with healing, but I don't know. We seem to think... I don't know. We're going to fall apart if we actually heal. Is it? Have you ever asked yourselves if it's supposed to be a romantic thing? I mean, is that something that not only other people bring up to you, but you've asked yourselves? And do you believe it was in other lifetimes? Um. Yeah, there was this one day where it was like I don't know, one a.m. and I was watching videos on TikTok and I saw this medium, and the medium was talking about being past lives. However, it wasn't past lives that they were talking about. They were talking about the fact that she could see future lives. That's when I look at Liv and I was like, tell me what my future life is. Ready, set, go. And that's when she was like, I don't believe that's real. You can't see future selves. However, she was also seeing our future selves. And she was like, I see you as a girl and I'm the boy and we're in a romantic relationship in our future lives. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we incarnate. That's a new thing. Future lives is a new. Thing. That's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I thought it was a load of malarkey myself, no. but I also thought you couldn't give psychic medium readings over Zoom because you had to physically be with your client in order to receive spiritual information. But separation is an illusion, and everything is just energy soup. 
And uh, I was wrong about that. And I feel that I'm wrong about not being able to see future lives as well. So I did. I thought it's it was interesting. just interesting. You, you had a lot of preconceived notions about things. That's interesting. Um, I used to, oh, I'll tell you why lot. I knew, but I do over the phone and I love it. And I'll tell you why, just like we're here right now. When I first started interviewing people in radio, I used to think, oh, it doesn't, it's not as great unless they're here. But then obviously there were people from around the world that couldn't be in the studio, so I had them on the phone. And I learned pretty quickly that there's kind of a magic spiritual connection that comes when it's just voice-to-voice in the ethers. And I learned to really love my phone interviews. And now that I'm syndicated, it's all my phone interviews. Now because with iHeart, it's, it's all phone interviews. Um, and I love it. So when I started reading for clients professionally, I was like, you know what? I love this connection because I think when you're sitting in front of somebody, people are looking around, they're looking at you, they're looking at your shirt, your hair, your earrings, and there's a level of distractedness that sometimes doesn't happen when you're really connected with somebody voice to voice. So, but I understand that because I used to think that same thing about radio. Yes. Opening our our business has been a very big thing for us, options and how spirituality and metaphysical things really work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't, um, I didn't believe Twin Flames. I thought Twin Flames were malarkey. And by the way, Liv, just the fact you said malarkey now makes you one of my favorite people in the world. Um, I thought Twin Flames were just something that woo-woo people, and I'm a woo-woo person, so here I am, you know, cutting down the woo-woos, but the ultra-woo-woo people, I thought it was just something that they made up to, like, I don't know what I thought until I met mine, and then I was like, oh, God, it's real. Um, I, I always believe in soulmates. And I always believe in soul family and in soul ties and in soul karma. But Twin Flame just seemed kind of fanciful to me. But then lo and behold, guess what? It's real. So um, sometimes that's kind of the, the, the wonderful thing about being um, a spiritual being, right, is that even when you think you've learned all of the enlightenment things, more are revealed to you and you realize that you're just constantly growing and learning. And I love that. I love that I'm never going to have all the answers, probably not even in 20 lifetimes. Like today, I didn't know you could see future lifetimes. So I learned something today and that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a lot. I was, I mean, for months she was asking me and I was like, I'm not talking about this. That doesn't make sense. How is it that someone is claiming that they can talk to something that hasn't happened yet? Yeah. But you also were like, that's not real, but I see these people, and now I hate you. <laughs> yeah, asking our spirit yeah. guides, they've given us most of the information. If I, I would say a majority of the information that we have on our YouTube channel is from our spirit guides and us just asking questions, you know. And, like, 2000, I think it was, like, 15 or 16, they had the memes going around of, like, shower thoughts, you know, just the random things you think in your head for no reason that make you question existence. And that's basically what a lot of our spirit guides have helped us with is answering those existential shower thoughts of metaphysicality. And future lives is one of and those things. Of, and that's great, right? Because it's we are learning as we um as we teach others, we're also learning. And that's another wonderful thing about what we do, right? And I think that's one if of the biggest things. 
Yes, I think that's one of the biggest things in spirituality in and of itself is a lot of people ask us if we're religious, where I know M comes from Catholic school, right? He comes from a Catholic school background. I do not. I was public school all the way. Um, and my parents never really made us go to church per se. But with spirituality, it's I don't think it's necessarily the lack of religion, but it's the acceptance and understanding of all religions that you would like to talk about and how those aspects influence your life in the most positive ways. And if we're closed off to certain things, then I don't think you'd ever really be able to feel the full effects of not only your own ideas, but other people's ideas of spirituality and religion as well. So being closed off and secular, I would think, in some aspects for spirituality might not be the best. So when it comes to embracing the metaphysical, it's really cool to be able to say, I understand and appreciate all of these great qualities from all of these other different religions and ideas. I love that. And being able to change your perspective. Yes. I agree. And I, and I love that. I always say that, um, you know, I always, I've been using the example lately that um, if you're, um, that being part of organized religion is sort of like being in a fan club for a celebrity that you love, right? It's where people get together on the earth to gather and talk about and, uh, or however, whatever name you want to use for God and, um, you know, worship, gather, music, refreshments, but it's basically a fan club. And when people start getting like, well, you know, the church says blah, 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 well, just because, uh, you know, you have a preconceived notion about Harry Styles doesn't mean that's actually what Harry Styles said. And I think it's, it's that's a, I've really been thinking about religion lately as, as a fan club for God. Um, and you can't confuse what human beings gathering on the earth are saying from what messages are actually coming from spirit. Because sometimes people actually write, block out the actual messages that are coming from source because they're too tripped up in what, you know, their pastor or the lady from their church that lives next door says. And they're actually missing their messages because they're so stuck in this idea of of what human beings say, right? Yeah, and we have a lot of people asking us specifically, like, which religion is the right one? And we always tell them they're all correct. It's just when people try to separate themselves in regards to religion, that's where it starts getting more physical human aspects versus spirit, because we're all just one collective of people. And that's what religion does is it connects people, and that's the parts of the religion that is accurate is the ones that bring us together, not tear us apart. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. You pick out the ones that you like and that's the right one. Whatever works for you is the right one. Whatever resonates best for you is the right answer. And I think that's wonderful, but I think it's scary for people because I think a lot of people grow up with this idea that we have to all be fed these answers, right? And they're looking for someone to tell them everything. Right. There's a lot of uh, trauma associated to religion. Yes. Yes, very true. How about for the two of you? Did either of you have sort of a situation where you needed to work yourself out of a religion to find your way? Was that a thing for you in Catholic school, like Catholic? 
I grew up going to a Catholic school, um, but my family, my mother's side is are like the Catholic, and then I believe my dad was like Protestant, so there wasn't really this pressure to choose a religion ever from my parents. It was just, here is what I believe, here's what like dad believes, what do you believe? There was never this is what you have to believe, otherwise bad things are going to happen to you. But I can understand how people get that trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I totally get that too. Um, I think it's hard, and that's a lot sometimes when when you have a spiritual practice, right? Like you said, Liv, a lot of your clients are folks that you're trying to sort of get out of that, right? Get out of that. Uh, their old mindset because they're looking to break free and and begin to formulate their own spiritual palette. And sometimes they need permission to do that, right? Well, I don't think I try to get anybody out of any sort of religious mindset, honestly. Uh, I don't think that's for me to do. If they have a question that they want to ask from spirit and I'll give them the answer, that is up for them to interpret in any way, shape, or form that they deem necessary whether it is inside or outside of their religious practice. So, for example, if I'm talking to someone that has a past life that comes forward to give information to them, I feel like a lot of mediums sometimes don't talk about where the information comes from if it's not necessarily a deliberation or communication between a past loved one and our clients uh, on, like, day-to-day regular things, like things that they wanted to talk about now that they're gone. If it's more information things linked to the what I would say the psychic world, so things that are happening past, present, future for the person physically now. So it's more of like giving insight to things that are happening or may happen or have happened. I will tell my client, I said, whether you believe in past lives or one trip around the sun, just one incarnation, I just want you to know that I feel that this person is linked to your soul from the past. And they're like, oh, okay. They're like, I'm not really into past lives. And I said, that is completely okay. So it, when it comes to things like that, it's not. I don't think it's for me to change their mind or tell them that they have to do one way or the other. I'm just there to present oh, the information, kind of like a mailman. You know, you always get bills and you get catalogs and things that you may want and things that you may not want. But it's my job as a medium to open and present the mail. But if the person wants to pay the bill or read the catalog, that's up to them. I completely agree with you, 100%. And I guess to clarify what I said, I didn't mean to get them. I meant that sometimes people come to you and they feel stuck because they feel like there's more for their spiritual path beyond what they were raised in or what they currently think they're supposed to believe. And they're looking almost to have permission to open up their spiritual palette and add some new things in. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Like a spiritual community someone that they can talk to because they haven't been able to talk about these things before. And just being able to talk about it is going to help them be able to heal and make their own decisions for themselves. Absolutely. And I think some people can live their whole life in one religion, going to one church and be perfectly fine and very happy. But other folks need to feel like they suddenly feel like their pants are too tight, right? And they just, they need more room and they're looking to add some other things in. I'm pastored at a a progressive um, Christian church in Hollywood, and I'm the interfaith pastor, so I'm kind of the, I bring in all the crazy woo-woo stuff from all the different religions. And sometimes folks that are part of that church that have been 
have called themselves Christians their whole lives will come up to me and say, um, I, I believe in reincarnation. Do you think it's okay? Or I like crystals. Do you think that's okay? I mean, they're looking for, to know that it's okay to believe in things beyond what they were taught in their secular religion, but still be able to call themselves Christians and be a part of that and not have to feel like they've betrayed their religion in any way, you know? Yes. And I think we get a lot of those questions. Now, when you two have your practice, do you see clients together, separately, or both? All of the above. Okay. So Liz usually does the more mediumship stuff in the sense of she talks to, like, your past loved ones, and she's a pet psychic, so she can talk to pets or plants or your house, that type of readings. I started reading tarot, and tarot is actually the thing that opened me up to realizing I'm a psychic medium. So I do a lot of tarot readings, but I'm also very good at talking to spirit guides because when you read tarot, that is usually the spiritual being that talks to me about the reading. So I usually do spirit guide readings or, like, spiritual gift readings where I talk to your spirit guides and they tell me, how the clairs interact with the way in which you think. Um, And then we also have a reading where we do it together, where you have Liv talking to your past relatives, but you also have the tarot aspect where you can ask questions about things that you need insight on. But because we are both psychic mediums, we can do both things, but we have more specialized needs whereas Liv likes more of the physical aspects of things, where I like the more spiritual aspects of things. But we do individual one-on-one readings as well as group readings. That's fantastic. Yeah. And and, uh, when you work together, somebody is doing a session with both of you, do you both just instinctually know when it's your time to chime something, to chime into the conversation and bring something up? I mean, do you do you just naturally have a flow where you know? Because you guys are beautiful, like right now. I mean, you are, you know exactly when to speak. You're not talking over each other. A lot of guests are not like that. So you obviously have a beautiful flow. Pretty easy. The same way when you're doing a session with a client and they're they're booking a session with both of you. I would like to think so. Thank you also for the compliment. We appreciate that. But usually oh, when I start a reading, I start my readings the same way of introduc- introducing who we are and how information flows. Because depending on where people have found us or not, sometimes um, our sidekicks or our viewers will send their family or um, loved ones to come talk to us. So they've never actually seen or know anything about us or our content. So I have to explain or feel like I should you know, hi, you don't know me from Adam, but this is me, this is what I do, and this is M, and this is what she does, and she starts with her tarot readings. Now, since I don't read tarot cards and M does, I just let her do her thing because it's her time to talk to spirit and to our client. And since I don't understand tarot cards, I just let it flow. But it's funny because while she's reading tarot cards for the client, I will start writing things down that human souls or spirit guides are talking to me about during their reading. So M might cover one aspect of questions the client might have in their life now with her first tarot spread, whereas when she's done reading her first spread, I will chime in with things that, or not chime in, but talk about the things that 
soul or spirit has been talking about since M was giving her reading. And it's funny because sometimes they will make me listen um, and pull my, my train of thought out of my own muddlings and musings and make me listen to certain cards. So as I'm writing down a form of information, say I'm talking about the Four of Cups. I'll write down Four of Cups because spirit will make me hear Four of Cups. So I'll write down another aspect of information that goes with that card, but I don't actually know what M was saying. So once I go through the things that I've written down for our client, then I'll say, you know, this is the card that I think M was reading and this is the information and it just, it goes from there. So I think it's a really good sort of, I don't know, tag team, but everyone gets their own sort of one-on-one reading with both of us there. It seems like a really, like a, a, a whole experience. Well, you thank you. You get a tarot. I mean, you get everything. I think that's fascinating. It's also fun for us because we get to do readings with our best friend. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah. Now, have you ever had a problem with, like, I mean, honestly, with significant others having a weird thing about how close you are? Because sometimes people in your life, don't understand a really close spiritual relationship, right? They don't really understand what that's about. Um, I don't think we have any problems with our significant others and us always staring at each other in the face and giggling. But it is funny because our, like, uh, our viewers think that we're in a relationship and both live and I think it's really funny because <laughs> we want them to ship us. <laughs> Well, I think everybody naturally does, right? I mean, first of all, the twin flame thing, how um, spiritually and emotionally compatible you seem with each other, I think it's probably a natural assumption to make. Plus, also, everybody wants to ship everybody with everybody. That's just just life. And that's why I wondered if it was difficult um, for your significant others. It's wonderful if it's not. I think that's fantastic that their understanding of the fact that you have this really intense, other primary relationship in your life, right? Yeah, I always joke with, um, well, we joke with each other because before I got married and um, M's been in her relationship for a super long time as well, but we were in college and I was helping M with her BFA and it was like three o'clock in the morning in the ceramics room because we were working on a ceramics project and Bruno Mars's Marry Me came on and I think in a sleep-deprived stupor, I told her that we were going to be married from henceforth on. So every time Bruno Mars's Marry Me comes on, I have to re-propose to her. And on my wedding, my wedding, she was my maid of honor and made a joke about how now that my husband has married her wife, how does he feel about competition? Oh, my God. So that's we always hysterical. <laughs> yeah. It's You know, it's funny because my best friend, we've been friends since I was 14 and she was 17. So I think we're at 41 years now. I mean, she's like the sister I never had, right? But her husband, they've been married for like 30-something years. He always jokes when people say something, he'll say, this is my wife and this is her other wife. And um, we were doing this, I was doing this magazine article, and they want to take a bunch of photos of me. And one of them said, we want to take a photo with your best friend. So they had us under the pier in Huntington Beach, where we both grew up, where I now live again. 
and we had this sort of like chakra blanket wrapped around us at the beach, and we had clothes on underneath, but you couldn't tell because of the blanket. And somebody said uh, to to Dave, you know, what are you here? And he's like, oh, that's my wife, and and that's her wife. So sometimes my other wife. And people like got so shocked, but we just all think it's funny. I mean, to me, they're my brother and sister, and I think we spend a lot of time in this world being very hitched up on biology. I don't really have any relatives. My mom was my only relative, and she's been gone for almost seven years now. So to me, family is who you love. My my other best friend has a, a plaque in her bathroom that says, um, friends are the family you choose for yourself, which I love. Um, so we don't know mm-hmm. any different, but people kind of sometimes don't understand that relationship. And it's not something that I'm sure there are some people that people have flat out asked me, like, oh, have you guys ever, you know, thought about blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no. But I think it's always something that you, when you're really close with somebody, in the back of your mind you go, oh, well, what about, no, that's not this relationship. And then you move on. But I think it's more endlessly fascinating to others. This idea that you're not supposed to be that close to somebody you're not romantically involved with, um, it's, it's a very earthbound concept, right? Because in spirit, when we're all in spirit at home, it's just a whole different ball game there. Right. But it's great to know that you guys don't get any trouble, but you do repropose to each other every time you hear that song? No, I actually forgot about that entire thing. Her at her wedding? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. Start doing it again because now you remember. Yes. And if we ever meet Bruno Mars, then it'll be an awkward conversation that I'll retell again while Emily sits in the corner mortified. <laughs> nice. Oh. Did you ever, um, did you, did your spiritual practice come first or did your YouTube channel come first? How did it, how did it sort of progress? It came together at once at the same time. And what are some of the things that you do for people that aren't familiar with you on your YouTube channel that are maybe different than just, I mean, obviously you're very different than your private sessions where you're reading for folks. Uh, well, we came up with our name in the car ride to go pick up a chinchilla. That was like an eight-hour car ride. And uh, we still have the scribbles in one of our notebooks for meta sidekicks. And we're like, oh, it's so cool. We could be your sidekicks to all things metaphysical. So we really do just try to touch on all of the topics that people might want to learn about in the spiritual community and outside of the spiritual community. Just whatever, we like to put a funny and comical twist on all things that are metaphysical because as mediums, I I feel like sometimes our work is portrayed in a very somber, melancholy way. And if anything, I've learned from spirit that life is for laughing and for learning and for being with others and being happy. So I want to take that information and not necessarily present it in a scary or, I don't know, less lighted way and make it so that people can laugh with one another, talk about all things that they perceive as spiritual, metaphysical, and not have any sort of, I don't know, like boundaries that people make, like how you're talking in religion, how people say this is how it is and that's all it is. I want people to be able to come together. We want people to be able to come together and not feel so alone when they're talking about their spirituality, their religion, and how they perceive or don't the metaphysical world around them. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I think that's beautiful and fantastic, and I completely agree with you. Um, 
it's funny, like, not only is sometimes religion very serious and fire and brimstone, but oftentimes psychics are so serious and take themselves so seriously. I don't know who they're tapping into, but like you said beautifully, Liv, the, the, the spirit source that I tap into has an amazing, funny sense of humor. I mean, it's endlessly funny. And, and angels are even funnier. I mean, they have such a funny, dark sense of humor. Um, this idea that everything needs to be so serious all the time. Uh, for me, spirit is always encouraging people to enjoy their earthbound life, right? Have fun, laugh, um, love, live, not take it all so seriously. Um, and I hope that um, that more people take that seriously, uh, pun intended, and, you know, really begin to enjoy their lives more because mm-hmm. we're here to have fun as well as learn lessons, right? It's not always just supposed to be struggle. Yes. Correct. It's also supposed to be fun. So um, have you – are you surprised at how fast your YouTube channel built up? I mean, it's kind of a magic thing, right, how some things just sort of take off. Yeah, our YouTube channel, it, it's very interesting because it was pretty slow growing and then all of a sudden just started, like, getting a lot of traction. And the video that, like, did it for us was actually a reaction video to a haunted doll. Interesting because we started the YouTube channel, but we also have, like, all of our other platforms. So we have podcasts. We have the readings that I was talking that we were talking about. We also have, like, Patreon, so all those things started getting traction, and it just, like, snowballed from there. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, huh? People love the haunted dolls. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I never, it was interesting because yeah. this this haunted doll has so many preconceived notions about it that it's kind of, as mediums, we didn't necessarily want, or I didn't necessarily want to know a lot about it, but just because it's so famously haunted, quote, unquote, uh-huh. um, I was like, man, I don't feel like I'm going to be able to get a good perception of this. I'm going to have my own egotistical brain, you know, hindering me. And that was not at all what I think happened during our video. And I think it ended up being very eye-opening for not only me, but maybe other people as well. So it was, a, it was interesting. It has been interesting. <laughs> Can you can you say what doll it is, or is it a secret? It's uh, the Peggy the doll from uh, the oh, Zach Bacon yeah. Museum. That's that video. Yeah, but I think it, there was a whole bunch of other dolls that were in there, but I don't think they had necessarily names because we had a TikTok that went absolutely nuts of this uh, ventriloquist doll. And then there's, like, a doll next to it or above it that's, like, in a case. And Liv was like, the one in the case isn't the problem. It's the ventriloquist doll that's next to it. <laughs> Haunted dolls are interesting. I'll tell you a weird story. So I uh, I moved back into my childhood home in the summer. And uh, this place is on an Indian burial ground this whole area and below sea level. Right. So, and I have a pool, so haunted, haunted, haunted. And, um, I didn't know if I wanted to live here because of the energy. So after my mom died, it kind of sat empty while I tried to figure out whether or not I wanted to come and live here. 
And then both my best friends are down here. My partner's down here. So I decided I did. And the, the cat and I, I have a kitten, and he and I moved in here. And um, he's a pretty mellow dude. Our birthdays are two days apart. We're both Aries. And um, I, the first thing that happened, like a month after I was here, was a friend that I had met on the Nextdoor app said, will you take my stuffed animal? My roommate can't have him around because she says he's too haunted. And I thought, oh, God, I was trying to avoid haunted things, and now I got this baby. So I took the baby, and I was going to give him to Cullen, to my cat, and he was like, well, you know, thanks, Mom, but it's too haunted for me. So he usually lives on the mantle. He's moved to now because the Christmas stuff is on the mantle. And then about a couple months later, another person that I met on the Nextdoor app said, um, I have this, this haunted doll um, I'm trying to get rid of. Do you want it? Now, neither of these people knew that I did spirit work. I live in kind of a very conservative part of Southern California, so I don't really advertise to the neighbors what I do. Neither of these people knew that I had any history with paranormal stuff, nor that my house was on a burial ground. So she brings over this doll, and it's a cat. It's a Harlequin cat. It's a cat in a Harlequin outfit. I mean, that alone is scary enough without it being haunted. And um, so now I have two haunted babies in this house. And uh, I have a feeling people are just going to keep giving me more because I think the house is really attracting it. So uh, I'm not really a doll person per se. So do weird things happen because you have haunted things? Well, you know, weird things happen anyhow. And I have all kinds of antiques in this house that where my mom loved antiques. And I decided when I moved in to keep all of her furniture. Plus, I've been adopting uh, curio cabinets because I got a little man who's very interested in putting everything in his mouth. I, um, I'm keeping all my crystals and all my spiritual stuff that I love, like behind glass and curio cabinets. And I've rescued a bunch of furniture that people were just going to throw away, like beautiful antique furniture. So now the whole house is full of things. It's like the, I feel like I've got like John Zappas' barn in my house, you know. And <laughs> so, yeah, I have a little Zach Bagans museum here. Um, so I, yeah, of course. But, the, but how do you know the difference in what's the house and what's the stuff that's in the house? I just kind of learned to make peace with it. And when I first moved in, I was like, I'm never going to do a video at night. I'm never going to talk about paranormal things inside the house. Now I just do it all. And you know what? The house and I are learning to live together in this kind of um, kind of beautiful, harmonious way that I didn't think was even possible. So now, yeah, if you've got a haunted doll, as long as it's not something that terrifies me. Peggy's kind of terrifying. I mean, she just naturally uh, – my mama used to say some people's inside show on the outside. And I think that's certainly true of Peggy, right? And of Robert the doll. He also, his inside show on the outside, too. Some dolls, I think, are just extra creepy. <laughs> but, yeah, do you guys have haunted stuff in your places? No, but we went to a lot of haunted locations or grew up around them. The barn that we used to ride at was very haunted. Um, it was an old carriage house. And it had been through generations and generations of people. So some of the normal everyday hauntings included Esther, who was the presumably female soul that haunted the hayloft. And to give you reference of how old the barn was, the barn, if you go upstairs into the hayloft, looked like Lincoln Logs. 
and it was about 18 feet high ceiling of just pure giant logged woods. And uh, we had barn dogs, and when we were cleaning stalls, the dogs would go upstairs, and you'd hear them running back and forth and back and forth, and then they'd come down with a tennis ball. And when I worked there in the summer with the barn manager and her dog, she'd go, Esther, and she'd take the the rake and hit the top of the ceiling because the ceiling was lower downstairs than it was in the hayloft. And she'd say, stop chasing the dogs around. They're going to get too tired. So we'd take the tennis ball and put it in the office so that it couldn't be upstairs anymore. Don't you know, a day or two later, the tennis ball would be upstairs and the dogs would be running around again. And the latch would open by itself to get up to the hayloft. So Esther, Esther likes to play fetch with the dogs in the hayloft. And then there were three men that used to watch the carriage area where the grain used to be kept because in the old days, grain was expensive. So they would hire people to make sure it wasn't stolen in the middle of the night. And the men who used to be the security guards, for lack of a better term, for the barn still hang up there at night. So some kids would get freaked out and be like, why do I feel like there's men watching me? Well, because there kind of there is, but they're fine. There was, Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. You guys, we are so completely out of time. Let's do this again. I would love it. That just flew by, and I'd love to have you back for more. Uh, where can people find you online? They can find us at on YouTube at Metapsychics. That's M-E-T-A, and then the back end is uh, spelled funny, but it's P-S-Y, C is in cat, K-I-C-K-S, so like sidekicks. And we're on YouTube, Instagram. We're on podcast streaming platforms everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website, metapsychics.com, where we have blogs and offer readings. Thank you. You'll come back and do this again. I'd love it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Uh, Metapsychics, aren't they wonderful? I can't wait to have them back. Until I see you all uh, next time, find me at chinametalspiritual.com, hauntedplayground.com, iheartradio.com. Seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity. Always work to raise your vibration and know that you are love and you are loved as I love you all. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Uh, I'm Sheena Metal. This is Haunted Playground Live Paranormal Radio Network. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.